Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to Islamic History Exclusive. I'm your host, Mutaki Ismail. And Islamic History Exclusive is the podcast exclusively for Patreon subscribers of the Islamic History Podcast. And in this series, we are covering the life of Salahuddin al-Ayubi, known to the Western world as Saladin. And we are currently discussing the Crusader conquest of Jerusalem. So before we get into it, let's go, uh, let's go through a quick uh, recap of the last episode. Where we are right now, the Crusaders have begun their invasion of the Middle East, which actually began in November 1096. They captured the city of Nicaea, which is in modern-day Turkey, in May 1097. But after capturing it, according to the agreement that they had with the Byzantine Emperor, they turned it over to the Byzantine Empire, which, of course, is the Eastern Roman Empire. From Nicaea, the Crusaders continued south and eventually began a siege of the city of Antioch, which at this time was also in Muslim hands. They began the siege of Antioch in October 19, I'm sorry, October 1097, and they finally captured the city of Antioch in August 1098, almost, almost a year later. Right after they managed to capture the city, um, a Muslim counterattack came through to try to drive the Crusaders out of Antioch. However, the, the uh, Crusaders were able to defeat this Muslim counterattack, and Antioch was in Christian hands completely, and this time, they did not turn it over to the Byzantines. Instead, the crusader leader, Bohemond of Toronto, which is in Italy, became the ruler of Antioch, and he established the crusader state that we now know of as the county of Antioch. The remaining crusaders, which was the majority of the crusaders, they continued south towards their main goal, which was the holy city of Jerusalem. And just a brief understanding of what Jerusalem means to the three major monotheistic faiths of the region. And we have, uh, we've already done a history of Jerusalem of sorts during the regular Islamic History podcast when we discussed the beginnings of the Israel-Palestine conflict. Uh, we went through a very, there wasn't a exact history of Jerusalem. We discussed Jerusalem extensively, where if you listen to that, you should have a fairly good understanding of how Jerusalem has passed through so many different hands over the centuries. So rather than go through the history of Jerusalem, we'll instead briefly mention what Jerusalem means to Jews, Christians, and Muslims. To Jews, obviously, it is their holy city. It is similar to the way Mecca is to Muslims. Jerusalem is the, it was the location, and it well, was the location of Solomon's Temple. Solomon's Temple doesn't exist anymore. Just the, the Western Wall is all that remains right now. But Jerusalem was the capital of the unified kingdom of Israel that is spoken of during biblical times. It was the capital founded by the prophet Dawood or David in English. And so, of course, it has lots of historical and spiritual significance to, to the Jewish people. To Christians as well, Jerusalem is also important. This is where Jesus, alayhi salam, taught and preached. And this is also, according to Christian beliefs, where Christians believe that Jesus was crucified and where he was also resurrected. For Muslims, Jerusalem has a, it is not 
it is a considered one of the three holy cities in Islam, but it is not at the level of Mecca or Medina, but it is still important both religiously and historically. Religiously, Jerusalem is where Prophet Muhammad وسلم, where he ascended to, to the heavens during his night journey in Arabic that is called Al-Isra wal-Mi'araj. Well, let me, let me let me change that. Al-Isra is the journey, which is, man, didn't mean to go into this this uh, direction, but Al-Isra wal-Mi'araj is, is actually two different events. We combine them into one uh, as Muslims generally. There is, Al-Isra is the night journey. That is the journey the Prophet took from uh, Mecca to Jerusalem. And once in Jer- Jerusalem, he then did, he then ascended to the heavens. And that ascension is what is known as Al-Mi'araj. So Al-Isra is the night travel, Al-Mi'araj is the ascension, but he ascended to heaven from Jerusalem. And so that is the religious significance to Muslims. Historically, it's more or less historically important because it was uh, peacefully conquered by Umar ibn al-Khattab, and it has been in Muslim hands probably longer than any other single religious group. And you might be surprised to hear that, but yes, it actually has been in Muslim hands longer than any single religious group. Now, as far as the different political groups, there are many different political groups who have had uh, the city of Jerusalem. But as far as religious groups, Muslims have held on to Jerusalem longer than any other. So let's do some quick math so you can understand what I mean. If we take the biblical account of David's pro- uh, conquest of Jerusalem at face value, then it was under a an Israelite monarchy or government for about 400 years. From the time that Prophet Dawood conquered Jerusalem, made it his capital, up until Jerusalem was conquered and leveled and destroyed by the Babylonians. That was a roughly about 400 years. From that point in time, it switched through a lot of different, mostly pagan hands between the Babylonians and then the Greeks and then the, the early Romans. So it didn't really come into Christian hands until Constantine became Christian, which was around 312 CE. So if we're going, even though Constantine didn't make Christianity the state religion, we'll still give this to the Christian to say that it, it came under Christian rule in 312 AD when Constantine was the emperor. And it was under Christian rule from 312 until the conquest, until it was conquered by Omar ibn al-Khattab in roughly 636-637 CE. So that's a little bit more than 300 years. So it was under a Jewish state, or Israelite state is probably better to say, because they weren't really called Jews then, so they were more or less called Israelites. So Israelite state for about 400 years, then under various different pagan states, then under a Christian state for about uh, 300 years, uh, maybe about 330 years or so. So from the time of 636, when Omar ibn Khattab conquered Jerusalem, up until the advent of the Crusaders, Jerusalem was under various different Muslim hands, but still under and under the control of Muslims. So 
from 636 up until about 1099, that is a little that is a little bit more than 450 years. So for about 450 years, it was under Muslim hands. Then it was conquered by the Crusaders for about eh, less than a century, less than 100 years. And then from that point on, it was on, under Muslim hands all the way up until World War One, which was in the 1900s, roughly a thousand, roughly um, almost a thousand years. Yeah. So that's 900 years. So 900 years. Let's do this again. 400 years from Almada to the Crusades, and then about 900 years from the from Salahuddin al-Ayyubi when he eventually recaptures Jerusalem up until World War One when Jerusalem became under British hands. That's roughly 900 years, almost a thousand years. So Muslims have had Jerusalem. Have, there's been Muslim rulers over Jerusalem longer than any group of people. So even though one can say that the Israelites were there first, even though they weren't there first, they captured it from someone else also. Muslims have had it the longest. So that gives you some of the historical background of Jerusalem, and I meant not to do too much of that, but we did it anyway. It's all right. So at this point in time, Jerusalem is under control of the Fatimid dynasty. The Fatimid vizier, and the vizier is kind of like a prime minister in uh, these old monarchy times. His name was Al-Afdal Shahin Shah. He captured Jerusalem from the, from the Seljuk Turks in August 1098. And this was roughly around the same time that the Crusaders had captured Antioch. So the Sunni Muslim world, which was very fractured and broken up, they were in shock at the loss of Antioch to the Crusaders. So they weren't able to respond to the Fatimid conquest of Jerusalem. And so with these two things happening right next to each other, the Muslim world was really kind of in shock and broken and shaken by, by the loss of these two major cities, Antioch and Jerusalem. The Crusaders and Fatimids actually enter negotiations to split this conquered territory that, that was in the region because both of them were essentially enemies of the Sunni establishment. The Fatimids, once again, were a a branch of Shiite Muslims that had broken off from the main Shiite group. And the Crusaders, of course, were enemies to the Sunni Muslims in the region as well. And so the Crusaders and Fatimids began negotiating, but negotiations broke down because the Fatimids refused to give up Jerusalem, which is what the Crusaders really wanted. So with that, uh, with that um, agreement not in place, the Crusaders continued on with their push towards Jerusalem, but the Crusaders had to hurry up. The thing is that Al-Afdal, his defenses in Jerusalem were not that strong. Al-Afdal, once again, the Fatimid vizier, he had just conquered Jerusalem, but he had not had the city long enough to fully defend it. And also the Fatimids were kind of outstretched. This was towards the tail end of the Fatimid dynasty. It was on the wane. It had lost a lot of power. It had shrunken in size. It didn't command the power that it had had um, over the past 150 years. And so this was towards the end of the Fatimids, and they didn't really have the strength to fully defend this area, this region of uh, Palestine, basically, from these crusaders who were marching through. Nonetheless, there was rumors that Al-Afdal was preparing a force to intercept the crusaders before they got to Jerusalem. And this is the thing here, that, that if either the Fatimids or the Sunni Muslims had gotten their act together, because the Crusaders were 
kind of defenseless. They were rushing down. They were hurrying, trying to get to Jerusalem. The various Muslim groups who pretty much controlled the entire region could have probably stopped them in their tracks, but they were just too disunited, too broken up, too weak to really do anything. So the crusaders began a forced march to Jerusalem to try to get to the city before Al-Afdal was able to muster the forces to stop them. Jerusalem was about 300 miles south of Antioch, and so the crusaders had to rush down, and they didn't bother to attack any other cities along the way. They were just going straight down the Mediterranean coast. They passed by the cities of Tyre and Acre and Caesarea, and all of these cities would have been prime targets for the crusaders in normal instances, but because they were so focused on getting to Jerusalem, they just went right past them. And then once they got down further into the down the Mediterranean coast, they turned east inland towards the city of Ramallah. But the Fatimids, who were once again overstretched, didn't really have the manpower to defend this region properly, had abandoned the city of Ramallah, which is in modern-day central Israel. In fun fact, Ramallah was actually founded by Suleiman ibn Abdul Malik, who was the son of Abdul Malik ibn Marwan, which you have heard of, of course, during our series on Ibn Zubair. Well, the part of the reason why the Crusaders were able to rush through these 300 miles between Antioch and uh, Jerusalem was that the Muslims in this region were absolutely terrified of the Crusaders. They had heard how they had knocked over Nicaea. They had heard of the sacking of Antioch, where they had killed so many Muslims. They had pretty much killed every Muslim in the city. So at this point in time, with the Muslims being very weak and broken up, and there was really just a lot of little tiny Muslim city-states, they, were, they weren't one gigantic um political entity. There are lots of small city-states. They didn't have the strength to resist the Crusaders anyway, at least not by themselves. Furthermore, they were afraid. The Crusaders had had been effective in spreading in some psychological warfare in their sack of Antioch. And so, most of the Muslims, rather than try to stop the Crusaders, they actually provided them assistance and even provided them provisions to the Crusaders as they were trying to get to Jerusalem. So the Crusaders had very little resistance from any Muslim um, army or military on the way to Jerusalem. However, the Fatimids, they were definitely interested in securing Jerusalem. And I must also add that part of the reason some some suspect that part of the reason the Muslims didn't really stop the Crusaders was also that they were hoping the Crusaders would defeat the Fatimids because the Sunni Muslims, of course, wanted the, the Fatimids to suffer a loss in this region. So that's another reason. It's a, it is a supposed reason why some of the why the Sunni Muslim governments in this region didn't really try to do anything against the uh, Crusaders. So Iftikhar ad-Dawla, he was the Fatimid governor of Jerusalem after Jerusalem had, had conquered it from the Seljuk Turks. And Iftikhar ad-Dawla went about trying to secure Jerusalem as best as he could. First thing he did was to poison all of these surrounding wells in the region. Without any water, it would be very difficult for the crusaders to put up a long siege against the city. He also expelled all of the Christians within Jerusalem. He was naturally afraid that uh, some of the Christians within the city might actually betray the city to the Crusaders. 
Jerusalem itself sat within a network of valleys and hills, and so it made it very difficult to attack. And most of the city, once you actually got past the valleys and hills, you then had to deal with the city itself, which was pretty well defended if there were enough soldiers inside. And that's kind of where the Fatimids fell apart. But we'll get to that in a moment. The city was enclosed within two rings of walls, except for its uh, southern portion. The city was mostly enclosed by two rings of walls, which made almost a rectangular enclosure around the city. These walls were guarded by five gates, and each gate had two towers. So to enter through any of these gates, you had to first fight your way through two towers full of soldiers. Also within Jerusalem were two fortresses. There was a quadrangular tower in the northwest corner. A quadrangular tower is kind of like a um, a cube-shaped castle wall. To, so I'll try to include a picture, picture so you can get an idea of how a quadrangular tower, tower looks. But there's a quadrangular tower in the northwest corner of Jerusalem. Then there was another heavily fortified tower called the Tower of David that was guarding the western approaches to the city. So with these defenses in place, the best way to attack Jerusalem would be from the north where the land was flatter and there were fewer hills. However, this northern region, this, these northern approaches to Jerusalem were still protected by walls and the Fatimids had also dug dry moats, what we would call trenches during the prophet's time, basically deep holes, long deep trenches in front of Jerusalem so that, of course, they couldn't really, too wide to, for any person to go across and just couldn't build a bridge there. And so this was the, these were the main defenses of Jerusalem, but the primary defense that Jerusalem had were these two walls, these two rings of walls surrounding the city. So the Crusaders finally arrived at Jerusalem in June 1099. Remember, they had conquered Antioch in August 1098. So a little bit less than a year later, those Crusaders who did not stay in Antioch arrived at Jerusalem in around 1099. And as soon as they arrived, they immediately set up a siege of the city. However, they didn't really have the proper siege material and so they were trying to rush things through. When we say siege, they weren't able to necessarily launch fireballs and catapults and stuff like that. They were basically able to keep the people inside, keep the defenders inside, and try to fend off anyone coming to relieve the defenders of Jerusalem. But right now, no one has had come yet, but they knew once again that Al-Afdal was preparing an army from, to march from Cairo. And so they had to hurry up. And that was one of the problems with the Fatimids because they were so weak during this period. It took Al-Afdal a long time to gather up an army. And because his headquarters in, were in Cairo, that is a bit of a bit of a travel to go from Cairo to Jerusalem. This gave the Crusaders time to plan their attack. However, the Crusaders had their own issues themselves they had there was a bit of a a division amongst the crusaders and these were mostly political differences but it broke into two large groups there was godfrey and tancred 
and they kind of decided to set up camp in the northern part of Jerusalem or north of Jerusalem. And then there was Raymond of Toulouse, and he kind of set up his camps in the southern parts or the southern approaches to Jerusalem. And just in case you don't remember all of these crusader knights' names, there's uh, Godfrey was Godfrey of Bouillon. He was from the region of Bouillon, which is this region between France and Germany. He was also joined by his brother Baldwin of Bouillon, and with them was Tancred, who was the nephew of Bohemond, who had set up his own county, so to speak, after the fall of Antioch. So those are the guys in the north, Tancred, Godfrey of Bouillon, and Baldwin of Bouillon. The other faction of crusaders was led by Raymond of Toulouse, and Toulouse is in southern France. The reason why these two groups had such political differences was that Raymond of Toulouse was an arch-rival of Bohemond of Toronto and his um, nephew, who was, of course, Tancred. So that's why the Crusaders were somewhat divided. But they were still working together in order to defeat the Muslims, so you got to give them that. Okay, so you have Godfrey and his group in the north of Jerusalem and Raymond and his group in the south of Jerusalem. Tancred, who was on the side of Godfrey in the north, he decided to launch an, an attack against the city. This was only six days after arriving at Jerusalem. This was on June 13, 1099. And the Crusaders really weren't prepared for a full-on assault of the city. According to some sources, all they had was one scaling ladder, but they were hoping that they might be able to to uh, catch a break and break through, through the Muslim defenders of Jerusalem and maybe topple the city real quick. And so they rushed at the city and they, given their religious zeal and their fighting prowess, they were actually able to get right up to the walls of Jerusalem and place their siege ladder up against the wall. And they began to scale the ladder trying to, trying to, um, get over the walls and fight the Muslims defending it. However, the Muslims did put up strong resistance and they fought back. And the very first crusader who scaled the wall and put his hand at the top of the wall got his hand chopped off by a Muslim soldier. So with this repulsion of this first attack, the crusaders decided to take their time and they decided to construct machinery for siege warfare. And so they began scouring, scouring the area for wood and other supplies. However, there was a bit of a problem. That was the lack of water because the governor, Iftikhar, Iftikhar Adaula, had poisoned all the wells or filled it with gross things to make it undrinkable. And so during this time, is right in the summer of 1099, in a region that doesn't get that much rain in the first place, the Crusaders were suffering from a lack of water. They had enough food because they were able to bring in grain from the surrounding cities, but getting water was a bit of an issue. Also, they weren't familiar with the, with the region, so they had a hard time even finding wood to create the siege machinery that they needed. However, they caught a break when several Genoese ships arrived at the coast of, of uh, Palestine with reinforcements. Some of these Genoese 
uh, soldiers decided to join the crusaders, but they also brought a lot of much needed equipment. And this equipment was what, was what this, the uh, crusaders needed to build their siege warfare. This was wood, lumber, tools, hammers, nails, all that sort of thing. Also along with in these, on these these uh, Genoese uh, ships, there were also lots of craftsmen from Europe who could help the Crusaders in building their siege weapons. And over time, the Crusaders were, they were, this is about uh, three or four weeks now. Over time, the Crusaders were, were able to make connections with some of the local Christians in the area, and they pointed them out to local forests where they could chop down trees and get lumber for their machines. So over the next three weeks, the Crusaders started building their siege machines. And so after nearly a month, the Crusaders were finally ready to attack the city. The first day of battle, the first day of uh, attack on the city of Jerusalem was going to be on July 14th, 1099, and there are going to be two simultaneous crusader assaults. There's going to be Godfrey and Tancred on the northern side, and this northern portion had, this northern portion they were going to attack had two walls uh, surrounding Jerusalem, so they would have to get through two separate walls. On the southern side, the Crusaders were led by Raymond of Toulouse and his forces. They were going to attack from Mount Zion in the southwest of Jerusalem. And this region didn't have two walls, but it did have an outer wall, which was, of course, defended by Muslim soldiers, as well as a dry moat. However, Raymond of Toulouse had managed to fill up this dry moat by offering a penny for every crusader soldier who brought stones or small pebbles and every crusader wanted the pennies and stuff and so they would bring stones and every every time they threw a stone in there that would slowly fill up this dry moat so by the time all was said and done the moat had been filled out and that really wasn't an issue it was just a matter of getting through that that uh the outer wall that was guarding jerusalem and so the attack on Jerusalem began. The Crusaders had managed to actually fool the Muslims into fortifying the wrong part of the city. This was done by Godfrey and Tancred in the north. The Crusaders had built this gigantic siege machine, this gigantic siege tower uh, in the northwest of Jerusalem. And so the Muslims who were defending Jerusalem, they could see the Crusaders building this gigantic siege tower that they were going to use to attack them. And looking at that, they could kind of tell, well, the Muslims thought that the Crusaders were going to attack the northwestern portion of the city, which was where the quadrangular tower was, which was a very strong tower that the Muslims would be would have a very good chance of defending. And so the Muslim defenders, they fortified that portion of the city's defenses. And so you understand the Fatimids who were defending the city didn't really have that many soldiers inside the city to defend it. They were mostly depending on the city's natural defenses and a relief army coming from Al-Afdal in Cairo. The Muslims, the Muslims defending the city were severely outnumbered. However, the Crusaders had fooled the Muslims. The Muslims focused their attention on the northwest corner of Jerusalem, but the thing is that the Crusaders were using some new technology. They had built a siege tower 
that had a new design that the Muslims weren't used to. This siege tower that the Crusaders had built, it could be built and then quickly broken down into smaller pieces, taken to another location, and then reassembled. And so they deliberately built this siege tower as if they're going to attack the northwestern corner of Jerusalem. So the Muslims focused on defending and fortifying that area. But overnight, the night before the assault began, the Crusaders broke down that tower, moved it further down, further east down the wall, which wasn't as well defended, and reassembled it there. So in the morning when the Muslims woke up, they realized that the Crusaders and this massive siege tower that they had built was actually heading towards a portion of the city that wasn't that wasn't that well fortified nor defended. And so we're going to stop there. We'll continue the story and the actual we'll get into the actual uh, action, the actual fighting uh, between the Crusaders and the Muslims defending Jerusalem. And we'll see the step-by-step, blow-by-blow action as the Crusaders ultimately, you know that they ultimately did defeat the Muslims and conquer Jerusalem, but we'll see exactly how it happened in the next episode, inshallah. So in the next episode, we will actually get into the fighting, both in the northern part of Jerusalem as well as the southern part, and see how well the Muslims did in defending it. But until then, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.